what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films. This is Alan. With me is Chris. Chris, how you doing? Doing really well. Looking forward to reviewing some films. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, just a little reminder, what we do on our monthly show here is this is the big show. You know, we've had a few little spotlight shows in between the big shows, but the big show, we tackle two films that we'll be reviewing for you in just a moment. Uh, a little bit later in the show, we're going to have some movie news, a few items that we kind of like to bounce around and talk about a bit. And then each of us are going to bring a recommendation to the table of something that you can find online or easy accessibility. You did for, get yours ready, right? I think I have one ready. It's kind of <laughs> okay. a last minute pull together, but okay. I've got it now. So that's the format for the show. Uh, Foot Candle Films is sponsored by the Foot Candle Film Society, which is a film society here in Catawba County, North Carolina. We put together and show films on a regular basis. We'll get to our Foot Candle film, the one that we actually showed for a film society screening in a little bit. But first, Chris... We're going to review the film, Total Recall. Are you actually happy with how your life's turned out? Why the hell shouldn't I be? What do you know about this recall place? Stay away from them. Don't mess with your mind, man. Welcome to Recall. First time? Tell us your fantasy. We'll give you the memory. You want to be a crime fighter, a world-class athlete, or a secret agent? Yeah. Happy trails, man. What is it? What's wrong? Yank that needle out before it takes. Why are you here? Oh, why? No, please. So, Chris, total recall. This is the new 2012 version. And yes, some of you listening to the show may think, wait a minute, wasn't, <laughs> I seem to remember a movie like that back in the 80s. Well, welcome to the state of cinema these days. Everything's getting remade. If anything this, made the slightest bit of money. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that was successful back in 1977? Okay, we're going to go ahead and make it again and <laughs> sure. put in some different actors. Well, Total Recall got the remake treatment this, this month. And uh, this version starring Colin Farrell, we've got Kate Beckinsale, we've got Jessica Biel, Brian Cranston. I mean, a pretty good cast. You know, mm-hmm. Colin Farrell is a, he's an actor's kind of hit or miss for me, but, you know, we've got a good cast of characters here, some good actors. Basically reliving uh, the more or less the same story from the 1980s version. That was the 80s version that starred Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. Um, kind of became a not only a, a reasonable hit, but a little bit of a cult classic hit, too. I think a lot of people really became fans of that film even after its theatrical release. Right. So here we are, Total Recall. The basic story plot line is this. This is in the future. I think we're, gosh, I don't know how many years in the future we are. Let's just say 50. Sure. Uh, 50 years in the future, we've got a factory worker named Douglas Quaid who he's basically a little down on his life, a little bored with the routine. There's a company called Recall, and their whole claim to fame is they will implant memories into your head to make you think that you had another life at some point or just to give you a little excitement. He goes with the hopes of being a super spy. Something happens during the course of that that process, and all of a sudden, we find out that he is now involved in a super spy situation. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, you know, this is in a dystopian future where basically all the people in the world are collected in either Great Britain 
or Australia with a giant tunnel running through the middle of the earth, connecting those two, those two areas. That's the only place that people really live now. It's in these two areas. You've got the upper crust people, I guess, the corporate world up in Britain, and you've got the, uh, the miners and the workers down in the Australia area. Gotcha. So he gets involved in this whole dramatic situation, a lot of special effects, a lot of action sequences to find out, is he really a spy? Is he not? Who is he really? What's his involvement in this plot? And how's it all going to end? So with that, let me just ask you the one simple question, and it's the perfect pun I've been working on all day. Okay. Do you wish to have this film implanted in your brain again in the future, or are you looking for a way to have it surgically removed from your memory process? Uh, to answer, I would say that I would like to have it implanted in my brain, but done so with a t- in a total recall fashion in that I can manipulate it such that it would have actually been a good movie. Okay, so you're <laughs> telling me that... Is that your way of saying that there were some elements to it you liked? Definitely. One of the things that struck me, you know, whenever a movie is remade, we just talked about last month, we talked about Spider-Man. Okay. That was rebooted. It had only been five years. Other than making some money, why did they reboot it? Well, I I know why, but go ahead. We we already had that conversation. So we have total, that's right. So we have total recall. Mm -hmm. That movie was made a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So when I heard they were remaking this movie, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. How far computer graphics and special effects and everything has come. Plus, there are a lot of kids who don't even remember the original. They don't even know Arnold Schwarzenegger was anything other than a governor. And and there's a little bit to the fact, too, that the 80s version... A little on the campy side, right? a little on the corny side. I think somebody could argue that, you know what, to make it a true, serious science fiction film, there's an opportunity there. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So, you know, it did not buy. So I was going in. I was kind of interested. You know, okay. it's like, I, you know, I'm interested in seeing. I not love science fiction anyway. Sure. Listeners of the podcast know that. I'm a science fiction nerd. I'll go see almost anything that's sci-fi. What I liked about this movie was I thought they did a really good job with the visuals, the cities showing the difference between, as you mentioned, the dystopic. Well, all all of it was dystopic. But then the upper crust people that were living in Great Britain, as opposed to the others, the miners and everything who were living in the colony. Mm -hmm. I really liked the different looks there and the textures graphically and everything, the cinematography they tried to do. I liked all that. I thought that worked really well. What I also liked was you, you described it, and I remember the, the term they used for it in the movie was the fall. Yes. And the fall was what they did when they went from the colony through the middle of the earth to the other side. Straight through the middle of the earth, which we'll get back to that in a second, sure. but go ahead. But, you know, it, this is science fiction. You do have to mm-hmm. suspend disbelief. So it was this really, really cool, okay. I mean, <laughs> otherwise don't go see the movie. I mean, you know. All right, we'll it's like, don't go see Star Wars if you don't believe. Yeah, yes, we'll they're aliens. You know, we'll so, get to that in a minute. So I really liked the uh, – it's like an elevator shaft type thing that goes straight through the earth and whatever. And yes, it's supposed to be a molten course. So that wouldn't make sense. But <laughs> it, you just suspend disbelief. I really liked it. I really liked the effects. I thought it was awesome. Um, I also liked – this is where we're going to start sliding down the hill of not liking. But okay. I liked the robots. Okay, and I yes. thought they were cool. I'm with you there. I have. Even though in a yeah. way they were kind of updated from the iRobot Will Smith movie that he wow. made. But still, but that was like iRobot I think is based on a William Gibson short story. And I think yes. this is based on either a Gibson or some other sci-fi writer's story. I is can't it, remember. Or is it Asimov? Is oh, it no, a, it's uh, Philip K. Dick, I think. Yeah, yeah Philip K. Dick was the Total Recall. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah iRobot was Isaac Asimov. Asimov? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, based on, you know, good writers, good science sure. fiction, yes. like, you know, hardcore people. So um, I like that element. But then this is where things kind of started to fall apart. Um, when 
Colin Farrell's character, and at this point he's Douglas Quaid, goes to total or goes to recall. Um, when he is interrupted in the midst of his procedure, all these uniform people came in instead of robots. I'm like, wait, I thought robots mm-hmm. were everywhere. Why are you using humans here? Is it you're trying to cut back budgetarily because you, you need to show people or you want to have people yelling and the robots would have been too perfect and probably would have. Well, I can one up that too in a minute. So, so go ahead, yeah. that, that immediately I was like, wait a second. I mean, everybody in that army that came in to like rescue him from recall was human. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it makes sense because they had to have people talking and they didn't want to be robots. <laughs> yeah. So I, so yeah, where the movie fell down was it kind of, I liked the construct of like the colony aspect and the, the have and have nots. And sure. I, I liked all that. And actually I th- at the beginning I was like, wow, this actually is making a lot more sense to me than what I remember, what I recalled uh-huh. from total recall. I see what you did there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Funny, huh? Yeah. But granted, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Sure. I was never a huge fan, but like it was actually making a lot more sense. But the problem was once Colin Farrell like had his little screwed up scrambled egg brain, and he was like wondering what's going on. From that point on, it became nothing but a nonsensical chase. And yeah. that's all it was and Pretty nothing much. more. And you couldn't even differentiate the parts of the chase. Like it just kind of ran right. together and made no sense. And it was like, okay, when's this going to be over? Yeah. <laughs> so. Hmm. Well, okay. You're probably a little more positive on it than I was. I, uh, I'm with you on the graphics. I'm with you on the special effects. It was a beautiful looking film. Looked a lot like a whole lot of other sci-fi films we've seen recently, uh, almost to the point where you wonder how much of it was lifted. Hmm. But I do hearken back to the idea that, yes, it is based off of the original story. So, yes, I'm going to give it some credit there. Okay. The robots were cool robots. They looked like a good cross between iRobot and the clones from the Clone Wars. I mean, it was almost like a perfect hybrid of these these things. But I think we're to a point now with science fiction that, yes, there are always going to be some elements that borrow from one another or inspired by one another. Because we are all basing a lot of science fiction off of a core group of authors and books right. that we're building off of. I right. get that. I'm willing to give it that much for that. Um, I thought the acting was generally pretty weak in the film. Okay. I, I just I didn't really enjoy any of the characters. The only person I thought was really having fun with this was Kate Beckinsale. Because she played evil, nasty, just pure out evil nasty. I, okay? I will agree. And, I thought she was, I thought she was great. I think, and I don't think for what he had to do, I don't blame Colin Farrell for this. I don't blame it. It's just, I they didn't was, give him any personality. No. And I thought he was fine because, you know, he's playing kind of confused. I don't know what's going on. Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. She, she ate just, up the screen. She was she just eating fun. it up. Yeah. A lot of other people, and I'll call out one here in a second. Well, two, I felt like we're just completely miscast. Okay. Jessica Biel. Maybe a little bit. I thought bit. Jessica Biel was miscast. Then, well, the problem with me is you've got Kate Beckinsale and Jessica Biel who look so awfully similar. I know. The film. I know. It really got to be a little kind Which of Which was that on purpose? Because that way know. he would think he had known That was her, a little tough. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Brian Cranston. He Brian was, Cranston. Let's okay, talk go ahead. Let's Brian talk about him. Because I generally like Brian Cranston as, a, as, a, as an actor. I've never seen Breaking Bad, the yeah. series he's on right now. The only thing I know him from is Malcolm from the Middle, which I never really watched. Mm-hmm. Malcolm in the Middle. And this whole time, all I could think was, was like he was having a midlife crisis and was just attack. He was like Malcolm in the Middle, Dad attacking <laughs> Colin Farrell, going completely evil, man. Yeah, and, right. like, and it made no sense to me because he just seemed more of like a goofy comic actor, and I couldn't yeah. take him seriously. The the face off combat that he has with Colin Farrell is ridiculous. It would mm. be like my dad 
attacking Colin Farrell. It's like, that's not threatening. Yeah. That's right. not scary. That's not realistic. Yeah. Do you ever think that he's going to win over Colin Farrell? Yeah. No. I, I, he's a minor beating yeah. up on a president. No. Mm, you know, right. it's like dumb. Doesn't make any sense. Ill-conceived, ill-cast. The whole, well, you you were right on target by saying it really became a giant chase scene where the, the, the action sequences blended into each other. They may catch their breath every once in a while before they move on to the next chase scene. But it basically became the whole plot of the last hour, 15 minutes of this movie was a giant chase. Yeah. And it got boring. And not an interesting one. No, it wasn't. Even though I love car chases and futuristic car chases can be done pretty well, this one was really darn boring, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, then you get into the whole elevator system, which visually was cool but it just got dull oh. i blame everything with this honestly to the director uh les wiseman who i think he did the last diehard movie which i thought was awful <laughs> this is very similar to the way i felt about this one which was it was just not inspiring it was not it just didn't it just wasn't fun i guess that's gotcha. the word i'm looking for in you a know? summer action movie that's what you want yeah and it's like i'm wondering he did a lot of the underworld movies and all that too to me, it just seems like this is just a guy that I just don't I just don't get fun from his movies. I mean, he may know how to put on a good visual spectacle, but if it's not fun and interesting for somebody to watch, why bother? Hmm. Um, that was my big thing with this movie is great visuals. The story itself is great, you know, the concept of the story, but it just was dull and uninspired and not very fun in the end. Um, now, let me point out some of my very, very specific nitpicks on this film. This is not okay. spoiler stuff. This is just what? Is the question going through my head when these things were happening? What? what? <laughs> so you had the question about the robots. Why did why didn't robots come in at the beginning and uh, arrest Colin Farrell? Why was it the human cops? Why are we it just even seems using like they would have been? Yeah. Why would you even use human? Cops? Let me go. Let me take you one one further. Okay. There's a whole scene. Colin Farrell's whole job is to build robots. Why aren't other robots, robots building, building the robots. Ro- that's a good point as well. I didn't get that. It's like, right. okay, they're sitting here building robots. There's a huge army of thousands they of these build robots. they could so much faster. You would think so. <laughs> but there again, they needed the humans to be doing something laborious and boring and monotonous right. on the other side of the earth. Right. So there you go. Um, hmm. I'm sorry. The fall, when I saw the whole diagram at the beginning of the earth and here's England and here's Australia and this is where the two people people live now, I'm like, okay, this is cool. And then the minute they showed me a line going straight through the middle of the earth, I'm like, really? I get your comment about it being sci-fi. I, mean, I, can re- I, can, I can accept the fact that on another planet there may be aliens. There may be. We don't know. But I'm pretty darn sure you can't go through the center well, of the earth okay. in the next 50 years uh, through molten lava on a daily basis okay, in a and, tunnel. And here's where I will say, you know, I was suspending my disbelief. I was with the fall concept mm-hmm. in the movie, but they wouldn't let me continue to suspend my disbelief because you know what they did? Okay. If they're in this cylinder that does the fall, okay. They're in there. Somehow it manages to survive all the G forces and all the hot molten lava and everything. But that doesn't work because at one point in the movie, they have a fight scene typing outside the cylinder as it's rising or yes. that doesn't. And it's like, okay, so even me, I was willing to suspend my disbelief. But when that happened, I was like, really? That doesn't even, I mean, the movie doesn't make sense, but that really doesn't make sense. Let me give you another, so, another, yes, another agree. example. They, they, so the reason everybody's congregated into these two countries, yes. these two continents, yes. and they're so overcrowded is because the rest of the world has become polluted. Right. Toxic. From a, was it a nuclear war something. or some fighting or something? All okay. right. So we have the capability, the technology, the wherewithal to build a tunnel 
through the entire earth, <laughs> but we can't figure out how to make the rest of the land on the rest of the earth livable again. That That's, I don't get either. That I, so yeah, just a lot. I I, I'm with sci-fi where it requires you to have uh, suspension of disbelief, but come on. This is 50 to 100 years in the future. I just don't – there were just too many things that just said, you know what? I don't get it. This doesn't make sense to me. Now, I if it that. was a really fun, good movie, I probably would have forgotten all that. Right. But this is an example of how a movie that is not fun and exciting all the way through and keep your attention, start, you start questioning these things. And it That's just starts to unravel. Yeah. Yep. yeah, sure. There's plenty of films that are even less plausible than this one that I've had a lot more fun with, and I wouldn't dare question the, the, uh, the, real, the realism of anything. Sure. However, with this, halfway through, I'm questioning these things. That's not a good sign for a film. So I think it falls on the writing and the directing yes. and a little bit of miscasting. One other thing that I was going to say about maybe not necessarily miscasting, but underused. And mm-hmm. I didn't understand why he was in this film, except for you just mentioned that this guy directed <laughs> the underworld movies, which yes. apparently Bill Nye was in and Bill oh, Nye, yeah. Bill Nye's in this and like completely underused. Oh, he's in it for and like he, five minutes. He's the, uh, resistance. He's the leader, leader of the resistance. And he meets Colin Farrell for the, for, or is meeting Colin Farrell and Colin Farrell talks to him and they have this dialogue, a kind of like a existential, why am I here type thing that is laughable and it doesn't yeah. even really make sense. And then all of a sudden Bill Nye kind of turns around and he's like, okay, now let's get down a bit. Now let's mm. continue on the plot. And like they walk down and like get in this machine and it just doesn't, yeah. Get in this machine and like continue on with the rest of the chase scene plot. And it doesn't it, that's make sl- any It's sense. sloppy writing. It it's was very bad, sloppy writing. Really bad. And I felt um, sorry for Bill Nye at that point. And then even, I'll say John Cho, who I like. Uh, he, Kumar? <laughs> yeah, Kumar, but he's also in the uh, Star Trek movie. He plays Sulu oh, in the new Star right, Trek movie. Right, and right, right. He's a good actor. He really is. And he's in this movie for five minutes playing the one scene at the recall company. If I'm the main character, Colin Farrell's character. Mm-hmm. And I've just gone through this weird thing where my brain got possibly messed with. We don't know for sure. He's not sure what's real. What's not right. I don't, it's just, I don't know. He doesn't even go back. They, they kill off. No spoiler there. This happens in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, it happens in the they kill off John shows John shows character really quickly. Right. But Colin Farrell doesn't do any research back on recall to find out. He never out, goes back there to try to find out. Maybe that had something to do with where I am right now. Maybe they, maybe I am envisioning this. You would have thought that would have been something to go back to. So they had a pretty good actor in there for five minute scene right. where they could have expanded on that a lot better. So, I, I, I think it was writing. Uh, I think the actors overall were fairly committed to the job. I think they were doing what they were told to do by the script. Uh, I think the concept behind it's good. And I think visually it looked really, really nice. It's just, you got to have the story and you got to have the directing to pull it off. And the fact that I've seen now a few of these guys films, Liz, uh, Lynn, Lynn Weissman, I'm going to get his name right here in a little bit. <laughs> the fact that I've seen a few of his films now, and I'm just generally not impressed with any of them makes me think that there's something to, you know, his style of directing that just, I'm not, I'm not digging, you know? So if you were in charge of green lighting his next film, it would get the red light. Well, I definitely would not let it be an action sci-fi adventure movie type of thing, because to me, that's just, it doesn't seem to be working for him. You know, he did live <laughs> right. free or die hard, which was a huge disappointment for me. Just not at all like a die hard movie. Okay. It was a big CGI spectacle, just a hmm. lot of chase sequences, no real story to it. Uh, he did all the underworld movies, which I've only seen one of them and was extremely hmm. underwhelmed. Was it the first one? Yeah, it was the first okay. one. Uh, but that's Beckinsale too, isn't it? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. So they're actually he's married. Getting... I think they're either married now or have been married. So oh. yeah. Uh, so he's kind of pulling from his same group of people huh. on these films. Okay. Um, 
Overall, I think it is the writing and director. Okay. Know, that's, that's my thing there. I have not seen anything this guy's done that I've really been impressed with yet. Okay. So it sounds like we were both disappointed in the film. Had some good potential. Could have been pulled off really well. I think we were both open to the idea of it being a, a remake of a film. Because sure. we weren't offended by that or anything. Yeah. It's just the writing and directing really fell apart with this film. Uh, sounds like I was maybe a little more negative on it than you were. I had a lot more questions about it. But overall, we both were generally disappointed. Me, a little more so. Right. Pretty I, fair assumption there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, or, or summation there. Great. All right, so that's Total Recall. As we're recording this, it is still out in movie theaters. Mm-hmm. Probably will be for another couple of weeks. Uh, I don't think it's going to last terribly long. Didn't do so hot in the box office last sure. weekend. Um, and, of course, it'll be on DVD in a few months anyway. So if you're interested... It's worth checking out if you're really into great sci-fi visuals. Uh, but other than that, I don't really see a whole lot to recommend it for personally. So, All right. So now we're going to go on to our next film, which is our official Foot Candle film. Chris, what have you got queued up for us here? We are going to talk about the best exotic Marigold Hotel. Come and spend your autumn years in an Indian palace. This is the day. It's a luxury development where all the residents are in their golden years. Like the coast of Florida. Yeah, but with more elephants. Flight 247 to Delhi is boarding now. Would you like some of this? I believe it's called alu carparata. Now, if I can't pronounce it, I don't want to eat it. Is this your first time in India? Yes. Do you think we'll be all right? It's going to be extraordinary. The best exotic Marigold Hotel story centers around a group of British retirees that decide to outsource their retirement to less expensive and seemingly exotic India. Enticed by ads for newly restored Marigold Hotel, they arrive to find the palace a shell of its former self. Okay, Alan, with the advertised cast of silver screen luminaries such as Dame Judi Dench, Tom Wilkinson, Maggie Smith, Bill Nye. Also in this movie as well. Yes, and Bill and I are making a double feature on right. Kindle Films today. And Shakespeare and Love's director, John Madden, is at the helm of this. Did this film live up to its promise, or did it come off as a shabby shell of its, what it could have been, like the Marigold Hotel of the title? Oh, see, I see what you did with that there. Okay, so the Marigold Hotel was advertised as this real shiny, really, really elegant hotel. You get there, and it's not really all that. Um, you know what? I went in with really low expectations on this film. Okay. And, and just to be quite honest, uh, this was not the kind of film that would normally appeal to me in the advertising. Gotcha. It's nothing against older, older actors at all. Actually, I, I, I really admire many films that are ensemble pictures with older, older actors. It was just this. I could already tell where this was going to go. Older, retiring people go to this community. They're going to have all these different background stories, and they're all going to come together and form a little community and live happily ever after. Okay. And you know what? It's exactly what we got in the film. <laughs> However, okay. I will say this exceeded my expectations because I do think there were parts of it that really were well done. There were some parts of it that worked really well. There were some performances I thought were really good. I do have my misgivings with it. There are a few things about the film that we'll get to in a little bit that I really was irritated by. But overall, this exceeded my expectations. It's a good movie. It's a nice movie. It's it's something if you can't come out of this film not feeling a little bit better about life, about people, about experiences – but I'll get to the complaints I've gotten a little bit. But overall, I was pleasantly surprised. It was a nice movie. That's really the word I keep coming back to. Nice. Nice. It was a nice movie. <laughs> what about you? 
I, I think we may fall on similar ground. I think I may have liked it a little less than you, okay. but I will say some of the positives, kind of like what you're saying, there were some philosophical nuggets that happened in this movie where characters would kind of come to some realizations about themselves yeah. that were worth seeing talked about and kind of discussed a little bit on screen and kind of, you know, would make you think about it as a film viewer. And I kind of, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. And also, honestly, just some of the shots and some of the cinematography yeah. of India. Yes. I mean, it was kind of neat. I've never been to India. I'd like to go there sometime. But um, it was really neat to see, you know, kind of perspectives and street scenes and all the bright colors. And, you know, it's very – they gave the sense that it was very loud, mm-hmm. which from what I understand is kind of accurate. Yes. It's kind of a noisy place. Well, we had some people in our audience last night at the screening that had visited India, some of them quite extensively, and said, you know, it was pretty spot-on accurate as far as its depiction of India. So for that alone, yes, I think that's great points for the film. Any film that can go to an exotic locale and be pretty authentic with this depiction, uh, I think wins wins major points in my book. So it was good. And so you, you so, were, you yeah. were talking about also, you'd mentioned some performances. And I'll, yeah. I'll say for me, the a positive was Tom Wilkinson. Um, his character that he played was interesting to me. And then also the acting job that I thought Tom Wilkinson did, I thought was really good. I really enjoyed his character's arc and I thought that was a a strong point on the movie. I will say Mm -hmm. this is sliding to the negatives. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Where, what was wrong with the movie for me was that there were way too many storylines going on. Yeah. And I think there were some total of like seven different storylines I think there should have been maybe three or four. They really need to trim down. Yeah. Well, I I think that that kind of summarizes my issues with the film too, is it's tough with an ensemble film where you do have these different storylines, trying to keep them all engaging, trying to give them equal balance. Um, And this film didn't do that. Unfortunately, it gave some storylines a lot more balance, a lot more weight than others. Some I thought got really short shifted. Mm -hmm. Others I thought got probably a little more time than they really needed. But that's a tough thing to do in an ensemble like this. And I get the sense that there was probably a longer film in this where you got to explore each storyline a little bit more, cutting it down to even the two hours. And it was long. It was a long movie. But when you do have seven storylines, like you said, you know, that only means each one gets, you know, 10, 15 minutes each of of screen time. Uh, I'm with you. Either trim down the number of storylines or figure out some other way to package this film to get everybody really invested with all the characters. I'm with you on the Tom Wilkinson subplot. Um, as I mentioned last night during our discussion after the film, the thing that was most interesting for me about his, his storyline mm-hmm. was that nothing happened like I expected it would. Exactly. It played and against what you every, thought. It played against every possible expectation I had for his character and what his reasons were for going to India and where he ended up. Um, that was, that was really surprising and I hate saying enjoying because enjoyable because it wasn't the the, the most pleasant of storylines. I mean, it had some sadness. Some, it was some sadness to it. Sure, but I love the way it played out, and I love the surprises on that, and love the fact that it did not go the way you expected. On the other side of the coin, <laughs> some of the other storylines went exactly where I expected them to go mm-hmm. by the end of the film. Right. Um, my biggest issue with the film, I honestly was probably okay with it up until about the hour fifteen mm. mark. Um, you held with it a lot longer than I did that last 30 (laughs) or 45 minutes. It just started to wrap together way too conveniently. Agreed. And it was almost like a sitcom ending of a sitcom show where everybody's together in this one spot and everybody's problems are getting resolved in one little single scene. 
I mean, honestly, the hotel problem is fixed. The owner's problem, the manager's problem is fixed. Everyone's problem. A couple problems. of the residents' problems are fixed. Sure. All while everybody just happens to conveniently show up at the same place at the same time. That really bugged me. And it just almost ruined the whole film for me. Um, well, like I, I said, I was okay with the film up until that point. But that last 20, 30 minutes really got to me. And it sounds like you stuck with it a lot longer than I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the problems that I had was um, Dev Patel, who people may know, he's the actor from Slumdog Millionaire. He had the main role in that. And he is the hotel owner-manager in this movie. And he was so distracting for me. The entire time he was on the screen, he was just he was trying to be really comedic, but it was such a, a stereotypical, oh, I'm playing a guy from India and I'm going to make all the goof, you know, make all these goofy remarks and everything. I just, I could not stand well, it. If it had been done, actually, I think if even the same dialogue had been done by an unknown, mm-hmm. it would have maybe been better, but still it was kind of offensive in how stereotypical it seemed to be. I thought several of the depictions of the actual native people in India were, were a little stereotypical. Um, they were all very one dimensional to me. And I thought the line that he had kind of gave me a bad omen for where the movie was going was his line that he kept saying, which was some of the philosophy that was in the movie was, Oh, well, if everything, if not, everything's going okay, nothing's all right. Everything will be okay in the end. So if everything's not okay right now, that's okay because it's not the end. You're clearly not the end. And that was kind of like a, because when he said that, I was like, that means this movie's like going to tie up in a bunch of nice bows yeah. in the end. And, and I sure know that was did. part of their intention is they want to kind of live by that philosophy in this film. And there again, you think everything's pretty much going to pot like about an hour and a half into the film. And then all of a sudden, miraculously, everything starts to get fixed. Yes, I could see the lazy argument is, well, that's what the saying was about is that, you know, everything's going to be okay in the end. Well, that's not good enough for me. I wanted happy endings. Right. I had no issues with it being a happy ending film. I, I love films that end happily. It's just that this one was just way too pat, convenient, and sloppy in the way they, they did resolve everything. I'm going to say we're going to do a f- we're going to be the only podcast anywhere. We're going to do a spoiler edition of Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. <laughs> Always stick around. And after the, I'm going to tell Alan how this movie could be fixed. I can't do it now because okay. it's spoiler. Right. But we're we're going to be the only podcast to do a spoiler edition. So you mean to say, if you exotic. go on Google and search for I'm pretty spoiler sure. edition best exotic marigold hotel, we would probably be the only thing to pop up. Yes, awesome. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. Okay, this is our this is our path to greatness, right, That's here, right. Chris? We're, we're going to be known it. for this. All right. So, um, I think something else, Alan. Are you you watch Downton Abbey? Is that I do. correct? Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Judy. Judy Dench is not on there. Judy Dench is not in it, but Maggie Smith is. Okay. Um, I am a big fan of Maggie Smith. Mm-hmm. I actually got to see her in Broadway a long time ago, like when I was a teenager, um, in a play. And it was she was awesome. And sure. then she's been in the Harry Potter movies. I love her a lot. I think she's awesome. I thought she was stereotyped so much that she had nothing to do in this movie. Yep. Kind of like they stereotyped Dev Patel into the kooky Indian hotel manager. She was the crotchety English woman. Yes. A little bit racist and, and like gave her no room to do anything. And I kept thinking in the entire movie, you know, it is such a shame that you have Judy Dench and you have Maggie Smith and they have little to no screen time together, like dialogue, yeah. interesting scenes. Curiously enough, 
at the end of the movie, I laughed at this line. Yeah, I know you're going. Judy Dench looks across the courtyard to Maggie Smith and says, oh, and says her character name, which I can't remember right now. But she's like, oh, you know, Miss So-and-so, it's a shame we didn't have enough time together. And then Maggie says, like, yes, he, he, he. And like, there's this story. I'm like, exactly. Yeah, That's a failing of this movie. They didn't have screen time, and it would have been wonderful. Well, I think, I think Maggie Smith's character, I was okay with her the first half of the movie because, you know, she plays the crotchety old woman really, really well. She does do that. Um, she kind of played similar role like she does in Downton Abbey. Kind of oh, just, really? yeah, yeah, a little, little racist, a little very uppity on her. <laughs> uh, you know, anyway, I just and she's good at that. She is. I just didn't buy her turn. The transformation. It just wasn't warranted. And there again, that comes back to that last half hour of the film. That's where everything for me started to unravel. Where it's just this is not. I don't buy this. I don't really think this would have been the way that it would all come together. I wanted happy endings. They gave us the happy ending, but I didn't like the way we got there. Sure. So yeah. Were there um, any other performances that you can pick out that you liked? Well, I will say I like Judy Dench in this. I thought she was good. I mean, she's Judy Dench. I mean, she's still playing Judy Dench. But sure. I thought her whole her whole plot line with the call center that mm-hmm. she went to go work for yes was interesting. Maybe it's the fact that part of our business here is a call center. So it was kind of neat to see a film that actually talked a little bit about call center protocol and customer service. That was kind of and, neat. And, okay, yes, and I'll go, uh, yeah. I will agree with you. I thought that was interesting. That storyline thread of her getting to go to India and see people that had possibly been talking to her on the phone. And yes, like, when she was having technical support problems and at the beginning yes, of the film. And yeah. during a very trying time in her life. Yeah. That was so awesome. Yeah. I thought that was so was good. good. But that kind of writing just wasn't there in a lot of the other stories. Well, and, and there again, that one even fell off in the last half it hour, did. 45 it minutes, did. where it just it it did. didn't even... Yeah. Even they, there was a comment made later in the film. It's like, aren't you supposed to go to work tomorrow? It's like, yeah, I'm supposed to go to work. And it's like, that's the end of the whole work thing. That's there. There's no more about the career in India anymore, which I thought was really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, Bill Nye, who you mentioned from total recall mm-hmm. and he was in this film. I really liked him in this film. Okay. Um, although I felt like he was probably just playing himself. I get the sense that that's probably who he is in real life. Uh, he and his wife who was played by Penelope Wilton. She is also a Dalton Abbey actress oh, okay. uh, playing a very completely different role in Dalton Abbey, which is really? interesting. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, they played a married couple, mm-hmm. uh, a little tense couple, you know, they sure. were having some issues throughout the film. I was generally happy with the way that relationship resolved at the end, because there again, it was a little different than what I thought it was going to go. Yeah, I did. I thought it was a little different than I expected it to be one way. It was a little different. I liked his character. I didn't care for her character. Sure. Um, but I liked, I liked his mannerisms. I like his, uh, his overall just all with everything in India and his overall just frustration with his wife and feeling, feeling very downtrodden, downtrodden. I, I, I liked him. And str- strength of the film. I liked him as well. I liked his performance. Um, I problems that I have with the film is that whole wrapping up thing. Her character is, you know, you don't like her as much. Not many people do, mm. but then they, I think they have a moment where they try to make you be a little sympathetic for her. Sure. Towards the towards the, the end, kind of towards the end, and I'm like, no, you should have just let us not like her. Yeah, because I think that's that's trying to have your cake and eat it too. I agree. I, there again, 
I'm happy with the way it ended. Just right. didn't like the way it got there. Sure. That's kind of the best way I can sum up this film. I thought it was a fine film. I thought it was nice. I think it's an enjoyable one. You know, if it was uh, on cable at some point in the future and I don't have anything else going on, I'd probably sit and watch a little bit more of it again. I like the scenery. I like parts of it. It's just I was disappointed by the ending. Didn't like the way all the plot lines went. And it was tough to cram that many storylines into this two-hour movie. Okay. So it sounds like you and I are kind of on the same page with it, I guess. Mm-hmm. John Madden, you are no Robert Altman. You can't do a lot of storylines and weave them all together. <laughs> yeah, you know, let's 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 hone in on just a few characters and a few yeah. storylines next time. I think it might be a little stronger. Okay, yeah. sounds good. Well, I think we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll discuss some movie news and recommendations. You've been listening to Foot Candle Films on the Mesh TV Network. Main Cellar City Club, Hickory's premier music venue, is the place to go for music events, wedding dinners or receptions, company retreats, reunions, and more. Contact Main Cellar at 828-345-6246 or find us on Facebook and Twitter for all your entertainment updates. Hello and welcome back to Foot Candle Films. I'm Alan with Chris. We're about ready to jump right back into our movie news and recommendations. But first, just a few things, a little housekeeping notes here about the show. If you're interested in uh, chatting with us, having any dialogue with us, telling us what you agree with or disagree with in our reviews or anything else you want to say or uh, try to defend any of the films we're bashing a little <laughs> bit <laughs> this month, uh, you can do so by visiting our website at themesh.tv. Uh, there's a contact us form there. Click on that, fill it out. We'll make sure some uh, it, it gets to us if it's about Foot Candle Films. You can also send us an email directly if uh, you want to, and that's at info at themesh.tv. Just drop us a line uh, and, and make sure you put Foot Candle Films either in the subject or somewhere in the, su- in the uh, body of the email to make sure it gets routed to us. You know, If you've got questions, comments, we'd love to feature them maybe in a future uh, episode as well. And lastly, if you're one of those people that just loves to talk, let's say you don't want to sit down and type, okay? You're just burning to tell us something. Call us on the voicemail line. That is 828-619-0048. You leave a message, but the message will get routed to us if it's about Foot Candle Films. And hey, if uh, you're eloquent and we can understand what you're saying and you uh, something fun to say, we'll even try to play it on a future episode. So knock yourself out with that. We'd love to hear from you. So with that, Chris, let's yes. get some movie news. Okay. All right. I'm going to talk about a few things, some movies that are either coming up. Yeah, I'm one of those guys I love reading about movies that are under in production and who's attached to what projects. And uh, generally, unfortunately, me doing this, I always get let down by the projects in the uh, end. So, but it's all right. This is still fun. We're going to do this. Okay. First off, cannot contain this any longer. No. We've talked about this film Months ago. Okay. But it's getting closer and closer to release. I think it comes out next month in September. I sent you the link for the trailer. I posted it online and told you that I, this is the most anticipated film for me of the year. It still is, especially after seeing the trailers that they have released. Really? It is the master. That is the new uh, P.T. Anderson film. Just a little background there. The, uh, P.T. Anderson, Boogie Nights is one of my top 10, 15 films. Of okay. all time. Magnolia is somewhere bouncing around the top 20, 25 or so. Uh, Punchdruck wow. Love is one that first time I saw it, I was a little lukewarm on it. I've seen it a second time since then. Love it. Hmm. Uh, there Will Be Blood was actually the one I was a little disappointed with. Okay. I actually thought that one was going to be better than I, than I was uh, expecting. 
So, uh, but overall, still three out of four, and even going back to Hard Eight, his very mm-hmm. first movie, I thought was a good movie. Gotcha. This is a guy. Yeah, I'm ready for his next film. Absolutely ready for it. We talked about it just briefly in one of our news sections months ago, but it's closer to fruition here. So, I want to kind of crystallize a little bit some thoughts on it. Sure. Um, this is Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman, Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Adams. Uh, the film is supposed to be about a man who is starting a religious movement. Mm-hmm. He's also an intellectual and an author and a writer. Yeah. And a writer, yeah, writer. Uh, but he has, a, there's a drifter who comes into his presence and somehow connects with him. And he's trying to help that drifter come, you know, move through life improve and himself. improve himself as part of this movement. A lot of rumors going around that this has to do with Scientology or at least is in a, some sort of uh, story about Scientology or right. some sort of parallel to it. We don't know that. The director and even the actors have come out and said, no, no, it's not. But, you know, what do you expect them to say? I mean, Hollywood right. has a lot of Scientologists in it. I'm sure they're not wanting to make any enemies. Right. And I don't know what the depiction of this is going to be. Uh, nobody knows. Right. But the trailer's out. Actually, they've had a couple trailers now. The first full real trailer came out a few weeks ago. I'm extremely excited about this film because visually it looks amazing. Joaquin Phoenix from the trailer alone seems to be acting at a whole nother level right now. And I'm (laughs) really excited to see this. So tossing it back over to you. I mean, uh, and we may have mentioned this before and if so, I apologize to listeners, but I'm just so excited. We're going to talk about it again. Sure. P.T. Anderson, what's your take on some of his filmography? Any excitement for this film at all? Um, well, yeah. First, I'll just you know talk about his filmography and him as a director. I, I like P.T. Anderson. Um, I'd probably rank Magnolia up there as my favorite of his films. Um, I like you. I liked There Will Be Blood, but I think it was a little, it was a little long, mm-hmm. maybe. And I think just because it was more of a period piece it maybe bored me a little bit. Okay. Hmm. Okay. But it was well made and well acted. Yes. So overall I did like it, but maybe it was just a little tedious because it was kind of a a period type piece. Right. And that's where I think I kind of fall right now on the master. Okay. Um, I'm interested in it. Why am I interested in it? Because it's PT Anderson Mm -hmm. and you know, the actors involved are going to do a good job. The storyline, the only thing that gives me interest in it is the fact that it may be kind of a thinly veiled allegory about Scientology. You did forward me the link from the trailer. I watched said trailer and I was like, okay. Like it just, it seemed to me to be kind of, it looks good. The cinematography looks good, but I'm afraid it maybe a little boring. It just looks, it looks kind of stagey and kind of like an English melodrama type thing. I mean, that's not said in England, obviously the United States, but it looks to me like it could be more of a period type thing. Kind of like there will be blood, but I mean, I'll I'll still go see it. I mean, don't get me wrong, but Um, yeah, I'm not as excited. I'm so sorry for the place that your brain is (laughs) right now. So I'm really sorry for that. So um, (laughs) this film looks amazing. Now granted, we may be singing exact opposite tune in a few months, right? I could come out of this thing bored stiff. You may come out of exhilarated. (laughs) Who knows? True. Um, I love speculating on some of these films and I'm just, I'm more and more intrigued by some of these really, really interesting directors making great, interesting creative choices. On do the we, next do film. we have a release date? Uh, I've heard September or mid September. Okay. So we're just a few so weeks maybe away it was moved that. up. It was moved up. September 21st huh. is release date. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I'm very curious about that. I'm also curious to see if Joaquin Phoenix can, uh, redeem himself from a little bit from the, uh, the, the fake documentary mm-hmm. that he did, uh, last year, I guess yeah. that was the last big, 
acting job we were aware of with him. Right. Uh, he hasn't really done anything major since then. So, you know, will audiences gravitate back towards him? Can he show them that he's still a really good actor? Because he lost a good bit of goodwill, I think, with the act with the uh, the audience yeah. last year during that. Uh, what was the name of that film? I'm, I'm not, still here. I'm still here. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. All right. Uh, so next thing I want to talk about completely on the other end of the spectrum. Okay. We're going from art house, independent, possibly boring film <laughs> to probably is going to be on the other end. Probably just special effects, extravaganza, okay. multiple colorful characters, hmm. uh, action sequences. We talked about the Avengers a few months ago yes. when it came out, I guess in May, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about that film and uh, we were, I was very positive on it. You were a little let down on it. Um, of course, what, you know, that's the Marvel side of the, the comic superhero world. Those were the Marvel superheroes. Well, you got the other camp, the DC camp. That's the Batmans, the sure. Supermans, all those guys. They have been working on an equivalent <laughs> story hmm. of movie for so their universe. So it's going to be like a Justice League? Justice League movie. Okay. Uh, they've been working on it for years. I actually remember reading rumors about when uh, the director of Mad Max um, and Babe, who is the director for oh, that? Oh, wow. Uh, Gosh, Australian director yeah, was attached to the film for a while. He was going to do it. Hmm. They were actually going to bring in Brandon, Brandon Routh from the Superman movie and try to bring in all their characters together. That just completely fizzled out. So now, now, of course, with the Avengers making a gazillion like, dollars. Well, we got to do something. Yeah, DC is basically sitting around the table saying, yeah, what are we going to do? We got to sign something like today. It worked for them. We so. Tarks have started back up on the whole Justice League movie. What are they going to do? You're talking Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, which unfortunately that movie didn't do too hot. No. So, but the Batman movies, obviously, they've got something going there. And Superman movies, did the reboot of the Superman movie mm, didn't do too? But hot. they're about to do another reboot. They're doing another reboot. Yeah. yeah. So they're trying to find their way in this whole movie world right now too. Here is the most interesting thing that just actually started rumors like three days ago. Okay. Uh, and I think the rumors have already been dispelled, but I thought it was an interesting rumor anyway. <laughs> they supposedly were talking directly to a Mr. Ben Affleck nice. about directing Whoa. Justice League. Wow. Okay, now, Ben Affleck, yeah. uh, obviously an actor. You know, he's been doing movies for quite a while, been in many, many movies. And he, he directed Gone Baby Gone? He directed Gone Baby Gone, and he directed uh, The Town, mm-hmm. which both of those I thought were pretty good films. I mean, yeah. I didn't love them. But I thought for a first two director actor, uh, efforts by somebody who was an actor, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. They were very gritty. They were very realistic. I thought they had some good acting to them. Huh. Uh, I thought they were good films. So, Interesting. But also, he started out his, his life in the uh, Kevin Smith world, which, you know, Kevin Smith, the fascination with superheroes and yeah. comics is a big part of that culture as well. I thought it was actually kind of an inspired choice. That. Might be, especially yeah. if you got Kevin Smith to help him out with some of the dialogue exactly. and stuff. Yeah. Yes. I think huh. that would have been a really interesting mix. I think Kevin Smith has film. actually written some comic books too. He has, uh, Kevin Smith has written comic books. He, uh, he was actually asked at one point to maybe help to be involved with the Superman reboot back okay. before uh, it was done years ago. Okay. So, yes, he's definitely got a connection with the huh. superhero comic book world. But now you're telling me no Now we're saying the rumors are already coming out saying, nope, he wasn't or he's not interested or not going to do it. There's so, still going to um, be a movie? Yes. Well, okay. they're, oh, yeah, they're still going to make oh, a movie. Yes. <laughs> I mean, even if they have to end up calling one of you or me to like direct right. it, they'll make the movie make somehow it. eventually. It's just huh. a matter of I don't know if it's going to be Ben Affleck or not, but I thought that was an interesting choice. Have they? I wonder how they're going to solve the problem of Batman because yeah. 
Bale's done. Oh, yeah. He's not going to do it. Right. So... Either they're going to have to reboot it completely, which they've already been rumors about how they're going to reboot Batman in a couple of years. You knew they were going to do that. I mean, I mean it's just it's a billion money. dollar industry. Right, right. They're not going to let it fall. Right. Um, so I don't know. It's a very interesting world. I just thought that was a, a very interesting director choice. Um, now, Ben Affleck does have a movie coming out this fall called Argo, which What's will that? be his third film. This is a film about... Um, is it science fiction? No, it's not. Oh, well, kind of. It's... <laughs> Based no, yes. on a real, the true story from the 70s, where we had some people uh, kidnapped and held for ransom in another country. It's very political. Huh. I'm really showing my ignorance in this mm-hmm. arena by not being able to describe it. But it's based mm-hmm. on a true story. Okay. But part of the subplot is, is that the U.S. government has to stage like they are a film crew filming a science fiction film in this country to try to extract their, their prisoners out. Wow. That's actually supposedly happened. Uh, and Ben Affleck stars in the movie and also directed it. Not so, a, not a, I mean, cause it sounds like something that could be made into a comedy, but it's supposed to be a dramatic film. Yes. Very dramatic. Okay. Very dramatic. Just, yes, it did have, uh, some elements of cause humor trying to be and, like, I can see Will Ferrell doing this movie and trying to be the director of a science fiction movie. Like I could see yes. them turning right. this into, okay. no, no, no. This is a very, very okay. serious film. Huh. It's, uh, a CIA extraction process where they're trying to free six Americans um, who have found shelter at the home of the Canadian ambassador during the Iranian revolution. Oh, Yeah. That whole situation during the Carter uh, Carter presidency. So that's the film Argo based on a declassified true story is the way they're tagging it. It's got Brian Cranston in it. John Goodman, uh, really? Yeah, a lot of really good actors to it. It just it looks like a solid effort in the previews hmm. anyway. And there again, with his last two films being, I thought, generally good films, very interested to see this one. But I would be very curious about his role in a big budget, big special effect spectacle. You think maybe they're trying to quash talk until that movie comes out? Did he direct Argo as well? Yes, he did. Okay. Wonder if they're trying to quash talk until Argo comes out see how he does. and see responses with it and be like, okay. It's well, very possible. I, I I could see that happening. And you know the thing about Hollywood is we figured all these years you can't. No. You don't know what's going on there. There's no telling, and the trades are just getting these rumors and they publish them. Sure. I just I think it's interesting to to speculate who could be doing what in the uh, in the director's chair on a, on a, such a big film like that. So Definitely. Very interesting. Okay. Well, the last film, last thing I want to talk about. And this is this is honestly, Chris. This is a very this is a very personal news item for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently turned forty. Okay. So 40 years old, just a couple months ago, okay. um, kind of hit me a little hard for a little while and I'm coming still more to terms with it right now. Every time I still see that number 40, it's still, it's a big number. It's a big number. Um, so how fitting is it that there's a film coming out in the next few months called this is 40, <laughs> which of course okay. I started seeing the trailer just a few months before my birthday. And I'm like, right, how nice. perfect is that? <laughs> and it's almost like these filmmakers, which this is a Judd Apatow film. Huh. So in a way, Judd Apatow is seems to be right on the same age career path as me at this point. Okay, because obviously he's thinking because you're friends about, with Seth Rogen. Oh well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and uh, he's obviously thinking a lot about that age. That sure. age obviously has a lot of impact on him. For him to write and make this film, well, it has for me too. So this is forty. Here's the premise of it, and you tell me what you think about it. Uh, it does star Paul Rudd. Okay, and Leslie Mann. Now. You remember the film Knocked Up? Yes. Okay. The two of them were in that film as a married couple. Oh. Right? Okay. They're reprising that role as the married couple from Knocked Up. But now they're crossing that threshold of the 40, 40 age. 
uh, and all of the things that go along with it. Basically, it's you know looking huh. at their lives at the age 40, their relationship with their kids, relationship with one another. That's mm. what you get from the film, from the trailer. Uh, it's a comedy, but it's a Judd Apatow comedy, which right. means it's going to be gross and funny and funny, and then it's going to completely turn and give you something serious, serious or poignant or emotional and then go funny again. Gotcha. That's just kind of hit the guy's style. Um, so Judd Apatow did The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Mm-hmm. He did Knocked Up. He did. Um, he produced uh, Pineapple Express. He didn't direct that. I think he might have written Pineapple Express as well. Because uh, Gordon Green did Pineapple Express. That's right. But but Judd Apatow did write it and produce it. Right. Uh, and then you've also got the Five Year Engagement. He recently was a producer for. He's produced a lot of films. Actually, produced a lot more than he's did, directed. What's the one with um, Adam Sandler and Seth Rogen? That was Funny People. Okay. Did he direct that? Um, I'm actually looking that up right now as we talk to C because I can't okay. remember. Yes, he did. That was actually the last film he directed. And I actually, I thought that was underappreciated by people. I did too. I thought it was good. I, I thought mean, it was I'm good. I'm not saying it was a perfect film, but I'd, I thought it was underappreciated. Basically, the only films he's really directed, he directed The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Knocked Up, Funny People, and now this is 40. Okay. But he has written or produced Yeah, he's tons got his more, hands in Super tons bad, of stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Pineapple Express, all these other ones. So... You know, you look at his, his, his movies, 40-Year-Old Version, Knocked Up, Funny People. I mean, not only is it Seth Rogen, who I think does have a part in, in This Is 40, or at least I would imagine he does. Yeah, background part, probably. Yeah. Uh, Jason Siegel has a, has a part in This Is 40. Um, how do you feel about his films in general? Are, they, are, you, are you a big fan, Judd Apatow, the 40-Year-Old Version, Knocked Up? I, knocked Up, I thought, I think it had been overhyped for me. Yeah. So by the time I saw it, I was kind of like, eh. 40-Year-Old Virgin, I did, I did like okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, don't go so, I don't go see something strictly because it's a Judd Apatow joint. And if his name's attached to something, I'm kind of like, okay. But um, Funny People, on the other hand, I did really like. And that's one of his more recent things. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I admire the guy because he's able to put enough realism and em- emotional impact or heft in the film that speaks to our generation. Mm-hmm. There's enough of it in there to keep it interesting so it's not just a slapstick, silly, gross comedy. Gotcha. It's a decent balance. I think it can get a little off balance at times. I thought Knocked Up was a very unbalanced movie. And that mm. just didn't work for me. It was really, really funny at moments. And then it got really serious. And now, then it was he, really, really funny and really now, did serious. Did he direct – I know you, you just said this, but now I'm asking you. Did he direct Superbad? He did not direct Superbad, no. Okay. But he was involved with yes, it. Yes, he was. I think he I, produced it. And I don't know if he wrote it or not. I think but, I'm um, one of the few people on the planet that does not like that movie. You don't like Superbad? No. I thought that was good. What about Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story? Because he wrote that one too. And I love that movie. I it's okay. It. Yeah. You know, I wanted it to – I was let down because I wanted it to be like – off the wall. I wanted it to be like one of my favorite movies ever. Well, see, it, was, I, it was okay. I went in thinking it was going to be horrible and ah. actually was really happy how good it was. So expectations, okay. yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not going to say I'm a huge fan of the guy, Judd Apatow. I'm interested. And I think more from a, uh, milestone standpoint in my personal life, I'm very curious to see the film. I really like Paul Rudd, but I think I like Paul Rudd more just because he seems like somebody I want to hang out with, oh, not yeah. because he's really a great actor. <laughs> um, he just seems like he'd be a fun guy. Sure. Um, so I'm very curious about it, but trailer's out. It should be out pretty soon here. I'm trying to remember exactly when the movie is set to release. It looks like December, so okay. it's coming out by the end of the year. Um, hmm. Should be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So. Cool. So that's our movie news for the month. We had three items we want to go and cover. And, uh, you know, if you guys had any thoughts or questions about some movies that are being made or being produced or news you've heard, send them in on into us at our website at TV. 
Now let's get to the last portion of our show, which is where we talk about our recommendations for the month. Films that we think you ought to check out. They can be recent films, old films, whatever it may be. The whole key is we want to give you something that if you uh, watch streaming movies on Netflix or Amazon or some of these places, you can get to them. Because unfortunately, the blockbusters of the world are slowly drying up. Our chance of going out and just renting a DVD are getting fewer and fewer Everything's going online. Let's find some picks that people can find online. So, Chris, what have you got to share with us this month? My month, or my month, my pick this month will be uh, Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie. Oh, really? Tell me about this movie. Okay, here's the thing. Um, Listeners out there, you may be familiar with Tim and Eric's awesome show, Good Job, I think is the name of it. I I, I don't even know. I think it's on Cartoon Network, like Adult Swim, Late at Night or whatever. I was not familiar with this show, but I know they have kind of a comedy show that they do somewhere. I think it's on um, Cartoon Network Adults. I'm not sure. Anyways, and it's kind of a skit-oriented show Mm -hmm. is my understanding. And not familiar with it at all. So you would think going into this movie, you'd think, okay, I'm not going to know what's going on. I'm not going to, quote, unquote, get it. Mm -hmm. Well, I got it. I liked it. I really liked this movie. No, it's not intelligent humor. It's very, like, dumb Check your mind at the door, humor. But enough of it with a comedy. The question is, do you laugh? And you want to laugh more than once or twice? And yes, I found myself laughing a lot. Did every joke land? No. There were some that didn't. Mm-hmm. But enough landed that I really enjoyed it, and I, I highly recommend it. And there are also cameos. They have Apparently, this is something that runs through their show as well, that they constantly have, I guess, friends come in and do like yeah. little cameos because they're both comedians apparently because Tim and Eric, that is their real name, Tim Heidecker, Eric Wareheim, those are their, their comedians, those are their real names and they play themselves in the movie um, and they have friends such as Zach Galifianakis come by, oh, really? Will Ferrell's there, uh, what's the guy, Will Forte from Saturday mm-hmm. Night Live. So they have all these people come and do you mm-hmm. know little bits on there and I thought they were hilarious. Um, wow. And the the premise behind if you can call it that the premise behind the movie is that from the title tim and eric get to make their billion dollar movie they get this big check to make this huge movie and what do they do but they go out and blow it all on makeovers (laughs) like all this like ridiculous production so it's very tongue-in-cheek making fun of themselves and also of hollywood and the hollywood process and then the rest of the movie is spent of them in this mall that's all run down run by Will Ferrell and or Will Ferrell's character. And they're trying to get, generate interest and make the mall successful because the mall is like going nowhere because everybody shops on the internet. And it's really funny. And they are basically put in charge of doing the marketing campaigns for this mall. I thought it was hilarious. I really well, liked is that it. A completely different storyline. I mean, are they the between the making the movie and running the mall? No, the, the whole making of the movie happens before the movie starts. So it starts wow. with their like premiere, and they show it to like the producers of the movie, and they're like, "This is horrible. You've just wasted a billion of our dollars. You better pay us back by this date, or I we see. are going to like kill you." Okay. And so, right. as the resort, they freak out. Is it more skit based? I mean, is it almost like a little more like little skits woven together by storyline, or is it a true like? Oh yeah, act, you know, it's, it's more like line. couple of skits. Basically, the mall concept gives them the gives ability them the to do like to do different that. random stores yeah. and everything. Okay, and it's it's a very flimsy concept, but yeah, it's still really it's funny. funny. And that's that's all that matters. See, I've read about this film and I was curious about it, but uh, I've also read that you know, several people getting up and leaving and oh. just I heard it was pretty 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 obnoxious. Pretty. It is not. Uh, it is not for children. Yeah, it is very raunchy. They have a lot of potty humor and everything, but. 
None of it, which is kind of an exception these days, none of it is mean-spirited. Okay. They're basically all mocking themselves. Everything that happens, it's like they're mocking themselves okay, and like all the cool. rude things and do it's making them look dumb. Gotcha. So that, you know, to me that's that's kind of awesome because they're not making fun of certain groups of people or belief systems. No, they're just, you know, making fun of themselves and being stupid. I get it. So I will say, yeah, definitely not for kids. A lot of pot of humor. It is rated R. Um, <laughs> you pretty much, I can see, you would either love this movie or you would hate Very polarizing it. movie. Yes. Okay. And I fall on the, I love it. I think right, it's well, It's on Netflix right now, right? It is on Netflix streaming. Awesome. Okay. Well, mine, uh, not at all like that one. Um, <laughs> although it's a little bit of a, a light movie. It's not a heavy movie at all. But um, a little, little setup here. So I was traveling the other week, and I forgot how we started listening to a podcast where they were describing uh, the Orson Welles radio program of War of the Worlds. Okay. Uh, they were describing and talking about it in terms of how it was made and some of the reactions when it all came out. Sure. Got me curious, and actually my kids were curious too, so we actually found it on the internet and listened to it while we were driving. So we listened to the full War oh, of the cool. Worlds broadcast, which is really kind of fun. Cool. I'm, another reason to love the internet that you could just pull up. A nineteen yeah, early nineteen hundreds. The- yeah, pull up an early nineteen hundreds radio broadcast at your fingertips and listen to it awesome. on your car stereo. So that got me thinking a little bit. I, I am an unabashed Orson Welles fan. I Citizen Kane. I have heard that. Citizen Kane <laughs> is not only still my number one movie of all time, but it was the first movie I looked at back in late high school, early college that really got me thinking seriously about how much I love movies. It did that for me, and it still does that for me to this day. So anytime I get to see a film or a documentary about Orson Welles, I'm all about it. Well, a film came out back in 2008 called Me and Orson Welles. Yeah. Richard Linklater directed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard Linklater, very diverse. uh, Gosh, I mean – where to even start with this guy as far as all the different films this this, this guy like makes? Slacker to Bad News Bears. Yes. Uh, <laughs> recently, he did the film Bernie, which I haven't had a chance to see yet. Uh, me and Orson Welles was actually the film right before Bernie. He did a Scanner Darkly, which was that sci-fi film Saw with that. kind of the uh, painted drone effect on everybody. And maybe from a Philip K. Dick Yes, it was. Right. Yeah. There's a little synergy there for the whole show. The uh, the, he did a remake of The Bad News Bears, which mm-hmm. I heard wasn't really that great. Uh, the Before Sunrise, Before Sunset films, which are good. incredible. Yes. Very good films. Something more about that in a minute. Okay. Uh, School of Rock, which I still love. I think it's a fun movie with Jack Black. You need to give it another uh, chance. Waking Life was one of his early films. Very, just a very diverse filmography. Got you. Hit or miss director. Days and Confused. Day, oh, yeah. Well, Days and Confused <laughs> was like his first one, breakout film. Oh, yeah. But a very hit or miss director. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some of his films are incredible. Some of them are eh, not so great. And there's a lot in between. Sure. This one's an in between film. I'm, okay. I'm going to be right up front with you. I don't think it's a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I did enjoy it, and I recommend it to anybody who is curious about the character of Orson Welles, is this is just one more dramatic interpretation of the real life Orson Welles that I think are just fascinating to watch. Okay. This one being given to us by a Christian McKay, who I'm not really familiar who with. I don't know I don't anything know the else name. the guy does, but he played an Orson Welles that, uh, from what I could tell, was a pretty good Orson Welles. Hmm. Um, the whole film talks about a, a teenager who. It's played by Zac Efron. Don't let that turn Uh-oh. you off. He's actually okay in this film. <laughs> okay. uh, he's he's a young, he's the me. 
<laughs> yeah, he's the me. Okay. He's a young, ambitious uh, guy who shows up at the Mercury Theater okay. wanting to work, and he gets brought into the whole Julius Caesar production that Orson Welles put on at the Mercury Theater. Huh. This was before War of the Worlds. This is okay. when he was just building the Mercury Theater. Okay. Um, and basically, he gets in the middle of uh, maybe a love connection between Orson Welles and one of his assistants or something. Hmm. A little love triangle. Um, there again, not a great film. A little on the dull side, but if you're really interested in Orson Welles and him as a personality, learning more about his history, this does cover a period of time that not many other films or documentaries cover, Hmm. which is before the War of the Worlds, before he became this big radio, TV, movie sensation. Right. Uh, This was back when he was just putting on theater and just being very successful with that. So. It's a good film. It has Claire Danes, who I like. Claire Danes. Haven't she's, seen her in a she's while. Good. So yeah. yeah, she does. She's on a Showtime show now. Oh, okay. Uh, um, doing TV. But the thing I was going to mention about Richard Linklater, since you brought up, yes. or I brought up the uh, Before Sunrise and Before Sunset, mm-hmm. they're making a third one. Uh-huh. Which now, at first when I hear that, I wrinkle my nose. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sound like a good idea. Yeah. But I said the same thing about Before second, Sunset, right? Being a sequel to Before Sunrise. And actually, Before Sunset was also really good. It, so, they you know, were both good. Is Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. Uh, great films. If you've never seen Before Sunrise, you need to check that out. It's an hour and a half film that basically covers one night. Mm-hmm. These two characters meet and you just join them for their night together as they explore the town. Right. Um, I think they're in Paris. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah. So uh, anyway, fascinating series of films. And uh, he is making a third one. So that. What's the title for it? It doesn't have a title yet, I don't think. Uh, it's just listed on IMDb as Untitled Before Sunset Sequel. <laughs> actually, I hope that's the name of it. That, that would be, would be really awesome. Funny. <laughs> and do it as a comedy, actually, yeah. <laughs> mocking himself. Uh, yeah, that that actually, huh, interesting. Yeah, he's attached to it. It has not started production. Anything could happen. Sure. They could, uh, uh, you know, pull the card off the horse on that one if they choose to. But so far, they're going forward with it. Ethan mm-hmm. Hawke has even been publicly saying that they've been working on it. So we'll hmm. see. Yeah. Richard Linklater, interesting director. Orson, me and Orson Welles, not his best film by far. But, but worth checking out. If you're interested in that side of uh, the celebrity of Orson Welles, it's worth checking out. Okay. So two good recommendations, two very different recommendations yes. for this month. Uh, we had some great reviews, although the films were a little hit or miss at places for us earlier in the show. I uh, had a little bit of movie news to cover, uh, some interesting things coming down the pipeline. Hopefully some movies that we'll be talking about on Foot Candle Films in the future. We'll have to wait and see. Um, so with that, I think we're wrapping up today's show, Chris. Sound like a pretty good one. Had a lot of stuff going on in the film world. Definitely. And I, I look forward to um, our next big show because that will be when we cover uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, Wes Anderson's so, Moonrise Kingdom. There. That will be one of our two reviews yeah. in the uh, September episode. And we'll have a couple more uh, Foot Candle Spotlights, hopefully in between the two shows to whet your appetite and uh, keep you up to date on some reviews of other new films coming out. So. And if you guys know a film that you want for us to Foot Candle Spotlight, if there is one that's hitting the big theater that you know we're probably not going to talk about unless we do a spotlight let us know and we'll try to check it out and give our thoughts on it yeah absolutely we'd love to hear from you so give us any feedback or thoughts you've got on the show on future episodes on films we can be talking about and we just would love to hear your thoughts on some of these films too you know best exotic marigold hotel love it or hate it total recall want to remember it or or uh, <laughs> forget about it forever you know tell us how you feel about these films we'd love to hear from you so with that we're going to wrap it up again we're from the, the mesh is where you can find all of our back episodes 
episodes and subscribe to our show through iTunes. But you can do it all from TheMesh.tv. That's where you need to go. Check out the Candle Films there and take a look at some of the other shows on The Mesh Network. There's a lot of other interesting ones to check out for your listening pleasure. So for Foot Candle Films, I'm Alan. I'm Chris. And uh, we'll see you at the movies next time. Gosh, that was a horrible closing. Yeah. I'm not going to say that. What do we want to <laughs> say? We can't say see you at the movies. That's probably copyrighted. So Probably. Save no. some popcorn? Save some popcorn for next <laughs> month. Perfect. Save some popcorn. We'll see you next month. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard. Okay, so those of you who have stuck around, obviously you were just at the edge of your seat waiting to hear some of the spoilers from the best exotic Marigold Hotel. Yes, we're having a spoiler edition for the best exotic Marigold Hotel. Chris, you've got something really on your mind about this you want to talk about. Yes. Take it away. I want to help James Madden, or James, John Madden, fix this movie. Okay, okay? let's do it. So here's how you fix it. All mm-hmm. right. Maggie Smith's character, delete her. She's gone, okay? Well, okay, what, the how's, the, how's the hotel going to get fixed? Oh. Just, oh, you got it. Okay, go, okay. go so continue. So Maggie Smith, you know, click, highlight, delete. She's gone. <laughs> okay. Ronald, Ronald Pickup plays horny old man. Click, highlight, delete. He's gone. Yeah, okay, so that's he's gone. gone. I, I now, um, Celia Mary's character, who she's the horny old woman who tries to land rich men. Click, highlight, delete. She's gone. Okay. So you've just eliminated three of the seven yes, main three of those storylines. Gone. Okay. Got okay. it. Okay. Now, what you do is you keep Tom Wilkinson because he's awesome. Yeah. Okay. But he plays a gay guy. Oh, shocker. That's what we could do. That's review. a spoiler. Okay. Yeah. You keep him. You keep Judy Dench. You keep Bill Nahi, And you keep Penelope Wilton. Okay. So what happens is you still have Nahi and Penelope Wilton still be the married couple that has a little issues or whatever. Okay. Into the movie. She goes off and leaves him. Is continues to be a flaming bitch. She goes off and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I hate you. He goes back. He hooks up with Judy Dench. Fine. The surprise is you still keep the element of surprise where you think Judy Dench is going to end up with Tom Wilkinson, but then he turns out to be gay. Oh, yeah, no. What's going to happen? Right. And then Judy Dench pairs up with Bill Nighy. Done. Okay. Dev Patel, you switch him out for some other unknown Indian <laughs> actor. Let it be his breakthrough role. Keep everything the same. Done better movie you think that makes awesome. the movie just automatically yes, better that fixes the movie and can we just have the ending not all take place on the courtyard with everybody surrounding oh, or it? or i'll give you this 
okay. Okay, there's no motorcycle drive-off scene, which was horrible, where you see Dev Patel oh. and his girl drive off, and then you see Bill Nighy oh, and Judy no, Dench on the motorcycle. Nice. Cheesy, stupid. That was Eliminate nice. that scene. Oh, I'll even give you this. Bill Nighy and Judy Dench don't actually get together. They're just friends, and they're there, and there's no indication of them like, you know, oh, I'm going to just, I've just dumped my wife, and now I'm going to hook up with you. No, they're just like friends, and they're like, well, we really we're going to experience have that kind this of indication together. This movie oh, anyway. come on. It was insane. What can I do for assumed. tea? What do you do for your tea? I'll make you tea but when you get home. Friends. What time do you get off like from work? Thing. Oh. I got friends doing that for me all day long. So. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, yeah. I mean, making tea. Um, see, that's, that's the thing is, that, yes, the ending will also not be so like wrapped okay. up in a bow. I think that's the good. As long, that's I'm fine with cutting out those characters as long as. You don't have a pat, easy fix, Scooby-Doo sitcom type of ending where everything just kind of comes together with everybody standing around in a circle. Um, I'm fine with that. And I'm, that way you keep – and more you focus more on the angry married couple. Who needs that? We've seen that hundreds of times. There's nothing really unique about it. You say get it. out of that pretty early. Well, and they're there, but they are the background story okay, this time. Right. The two focus stories are Tom Wilkinson trying to find – the yeah. guy who he was romantically involved with all those years ago in India. Yeah. You keep that going because that's so surprising. It's like twists and everything. You don't and expect you keep, it to go. Uh, Judy Dench's and you plot keep line. Judy Dench's plotline of the call you know, center with the, the movie, India thing and all that was great. The first half of the movie, I thought those were going to be the two primary storylines we were going to follow, and been. both of them got filtered yep. out pretty easily. Yep. So okay, I'm with you on that. I did have a question, and this sure. is you're still here in the spoiler territory. A question I had okay. that maybe I missed something, or maybe this is just bad writing. So this Marigold Hotel has had no guests for all this time. It's kind of run down. You get the assumption that he's all excited because guests showed up. And Finally it's kind of like the first up. time. Right. How did seven all show up on the same flight at the same time, same day? Exactly. And how did it just so coinkydink because it had to because of writing? The same place the manager's girlfriend works just happens to be the same call center that Judy Dench gets a job. I'm sorry, there are millions of people in India, yeah, and these people just convenient. happen to all like. Con- I think yeah. it's the whole convenience thing all the way around, both right. in the setup of the film and the conclusion of the film, right. was way too easily set up. You can buy one, but not the other. Yeah, like, I was actually on. willing to let the beginning go and thought maybe it was kind of a mixture of fate. Right. Where like these seven are meant like to lost. be, in this, yeah. <laughs> these seven are meant to be together, so sure. these forces just brought them all together. But when you had the ending get so convenient at the end, it's like, well, no, this was just sloppy writing. It was just we need seven people to be in this hotel at the same time. We want it to be an old rundown hotel that nobody's been in in a while, right? And then we need everybody to be happy at the end. So right. done, done, and done. Right. Okay. So you've just fixed the movie. <laughs> Yay. Chris is waiting for his. Uh, he, he's waiting for his paycheck. Yep. To write the sequel. <laughs> to the ne- it's gonna be called the next best next exotic there you go here at marigold hotel I like perfect that. i'm ready to go all right that was a spoiler edition hope you enjoyed it see you next time can't wait for the google hits come on <laughs>